Baptist Church. I'm glad to be here for a few moments and be an extension of what God has used him to do. And Pastor Maruhu, I am really glad to see you and your great group as well. Thank you for participating in the meeting this evening. Very grateful. And uh, I love being in church. I'm grateful. I know that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> but it makes a better relationship with your spouse if you will be faithful to the Lord. And uh, God gave us three things so we could be strong in the Christian life. Number one, He gave us the Word of God, the Bible. And I hope you love your Bible. I hope you read it. I hope you think about it. I hope you meditate on it. I hope you'll obey it and talk about the Bible. Uh, the Word of God ought to be on our lips oftentimes. If it's on our heart, it will be on our lips. Whatever we, uh, whatever we, uh, we, we think about, we talk about. Whatever we love, we talk about. If someone loves fishing, they talk about fishing. Someone loves sports, talk about sports. Talking about the Dodger losing, they talk about that, you know. Uh, whatever is on our heart is comes out of the Boy, talk about the Bible. God gave us His Word. Number two, He gave us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God came in, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13, the moment I accepted Jesus Christ. And uh, before you were saved, you have a conscience. After you save, your conscience is on steroids. <laughs> it's with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit's on, and so I remember leading a man of the Lord on Tuesday night. And I remember him getting saved. And his name was Eric. And he was so happy. I was happy. But uh, he worked at the bank. And he called me. On late on a Friday night, he said, Pastor, what in the world happened to me on Tuesday? I said, I don't know. Well, I mean, I know what happened to you. You got saved. He goes, yeah, but something else happened. He said, every Friday night, we go to a club. All the guys at work and the girls at work, we find out, not if we're going to a club, which club we're going to. He said, every Friday night, for my whole adult life, I go to a bar or a club on a Friday night. He said, Pastor... This week, I found out where we're going. I met all my friends there. I'm standing there at the bar with my drink, getting ready to go on the dance floor. And everybody, like, I just felt like, you know what? You don't belong here. What are you doing? He said, Pastor, I just left my drink right on the counter there, and I, I've gone home. I got home, and I called you. What am I supposed to do? What happened to me? I said, on Tuesday, last Friday night when you were at the bar, the Holy Spirit wasn't on the inside. <laughs> this, Tuesday, this Friday night, the Holy Spirit's on the inside. He's God in you. And if He's not comfortable, He'll let you know about it. And you have a choice to clean or not, but He'll, he'll remind you about that. He goes, wow, I don't want to ever do that again. He said, what do you do around here on Friday nights? I said, well, we have the Reformers Unanimous Ministry, uh, or you can clean the church. He goes, I'll clean the church. And he said, I'll clean the church. I think I can put my hand around the vacuum. And for the next about six months, he vacuumed every Friday night the auditorium of the church. He said, I just had to give my friends something, tell them I had to do something. That's why I wanted to do something at the church. I said, just tell me something to do, and I'll tell them, oh, I got, I got something to do. I can't go. And uh, it was interesting with that. But when I got saved, as a Christian, I need to be committed and, and involved in the Word of God. The greatest agent of change known to mankind is the Word of God. Number two, the Spirit of God. He's in there to comfort me, to convict me, to challenge me. He's there to guide me into all truth. He's there to provoke me, to give, to serve, to love. And then the third thing God gave us is His body. His Word, His Spirit, and His body. Now, the Word of God is perfect. The, the, the Spirit of God's perfect. It's God. But the church of God is not perfect. You know why? Because we go there. <laughs> if 
you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor. Don't join it. <laughs> You'll mess it up. That's right. There are no perfect churches. But it's God's plan. I think everyone who gets saved gets saved indirectly or directly because of a local church. These young people standing here singing, all of them have that in common. Or one in Arkansas, the other one in Dallas, and one in Arizona, the other one in, in Indiana. All of them have that in common. It was through a local church that God brought them to Jesus Christ. Through a local church, we can support worldwide evangelization. I love giving. God tells us, take your, take your tithe to the storehouse. Everybody may meet in my house. It's a place where God gets his word out. It's a place where we get encouraged and helped. We don't come to church to sit, soak, and sour. No. We come to church to sit and be with God's people, to listen, and so we can serve more effectively. And we're supposed to exhort one another. You know, one thing at church you need to do is you don't come just to sit and watch the world go by. You ought to come to say, what can I do to be a blessing to someone else around me? I love the local church, and I'm grateful. And tonight we're here because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here because of the Word of God. We're here because of the Spirit of God, and we're here because of a church. And um, when I heard about uh, Brother Patterson coming here to Chino, I was so excited. And um, I have not been to this building yet or this place. And buildings don't change lives, but what happens inside of them do. <laughs> and I'm grateful for what's happened here at the Victory Baptist Church. And you have a great name. Brother Ray Young has been with you a few times, and he always talks about you. I said, just enough about that Victory Baptist Church, you know. He's all excited about what God's doing here. He loves this church. And it's so good to see so many sweet friends. Lori, I'm so glad to see you slip in over here. Jimmy and Denise. And I remember the day they came into that office at that local church. And God just did a wonderful work of grace in their hearts and lives. And Miss Jean Henney's back there. Good to see you, Miss Jean, getting off work and coming. And all of you, we're so glad you're here. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Stand with me, if you would, please. And let's look at a couple thoughts here. Several years ago, I heard a man say, Pastor, what I do in my Bible, I put dear and John, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and at Revelation, at the last amen, I say, love Jesus. So I did that to all my Bibles. I, if you look at my Bible, it says, dear John, in the beginning, and at the back, I put love Jesus at the end, because really, the Word of God is God's love letter to us. It's His letter telling us not only how to get to heaven from here, but how to live after we know we're going to heaven. And let's look at these verses real quickly. Verse number 1, 2, and 3. Would you read it with me, everyone? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the Lord said, I'm sorry, let me read it, read it correctly. Verse number 3. And God said. All right, let's go now to verse number 26. Can we please? Verse 26, for sake of. The Bible said, and God said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Trinity, make man in our image after our likeness. You are not made like an animal. An animal has a body and it has a soul, has a personality. If you ever had one, two dogs, you know that one's hyper and one's lazy, you know, and one's a little temperamental and snap at you if you get mad. The other one would let you pull his tail and grab his ears and you know they don't do they don't get mad one likes preen a puppy child and the other one likes out of a can or whatever they have different different thinking different feelings different desires 
But uh, you're not made like an animal. You're not a dichotomy. You're a trichotomy. You have a body and a soul like an animal does, but you have a spirit. You have that third part. And because there are dog churches. There are no monkey pastors. There's a few of us that look like monkeys and act like monkeys sometimes. There are no giraffe prayer meetings or kitty cat, kitty cat gatherings for prayer and uh, potluck, maybe a little potluck, but not, uh, no, because they have no aptitude to worship God. You do. And God says, when it comes to making man, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Let's continue the verse, one verse, verse 26 again, where the Bible tells us, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over the creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28, let's all read it together, can we? And God blessed them. And God Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy to be invited and accommodated by the Victory Baptist Church this evening. What a blessing to be here and to know that sweet friends are in this room. But Lord, it doesn't matter about me. You never have needed me, but I need you again. And I pray that you would help me to share your word. And I pray to God that there's lots of people here, most of which I don't even know. I wouldn't know where they live or what's going on in their hearts and minds, but I do know this, we all need to hear from your word and to be provoked from your spirit and encouraged by your body. Please help it, that to happen. Thank you for Pastor Patterson and, and uh, for his kindness to let us come and, and share in this service tonight. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. God in his wisdom tells us in the beginning of the Bible how he started everything, and then the revelation tells us how he ended everything. And God gave us the word of God so we can know how to get to heaven from here and how to live after we know we're going to heaven. But I like God because he tells us how I started everything. Of course, this world has their opinion too. Most people, if you ask them how do we get started here, they would say the theory of evolution. I think it's a real theory. I think it's a far-out theory. I think it's like um, it's a, a fairy tale, quite frankly, with, with the magic wand being millions and millions of years. Just throw millions and millions of years, and everybody's supposed to believe it. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, God says he created everything in six 24-hour days. And he tells us in the beginning, God created heavens, everything that's above the earth and the earth. And the Bible says when he made it initially, he made it empty, dark, and without shape or form. So when he made it in his original state, the world was not as we know it. It was empty, it was dark, and it was without, it wasn't, we look at it from the satellites or the moon or whatever, and it's a round shape. But it, when it was made originally, it looks like that's not the case. It was like a big blob of water. And then two things happened. In this blob of water, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And the second thing that happened is the Word of God spoke, and, the, and God said. So two things happened to this empty, dark blob of water without shape and form. First thing, God's Spirit moved. Number two, God's Word spoke. And He said, let there be light. And there was light. 
So the first thing that God did with his word, turned the light on to a dark, empty, formless planet. Turned the light on, and that's all he did on day number one. On day number two, he did something very unique. On day number one, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Day number two, he said, let's take some of the water that is on this blob of water, and let's put some of it in the heavens, and others of it will leave it on the earth. And we'll create in between, space in between. And we'll call that firmament. And the eve and the morning were the second day. So it's kind of unique. Day number one, he said, let there be light. Day number two, he said, let's take the waters and put the waters above the heavens and waters on the earth, and we'll create distance between the world that God lives in, the heavens, and the world we live in, the earth. And that's all that happened for the first 48 hours of creation. The third day, he said, let's now put all the waters in one place, and we'll put all the ground and the land on one place, and then on the land, we'll put vegetation, the banana trees, the roses, the strawberries, the raspberries, the blueberries, the kiwi fruit, the apples, the oranges, everything that grows out of the ground, we'll put that on day number three. And then on each of those plants, we'll put a seed inside of them so that whenever that seed is planted, it can reproduce another apple tree. You take the seed out of an apple, you put it in the ground, you can grow an apple tree. You take the seed out of a sunflower and you put it in the ground, you can make a sunflower. Whatever it is, every plant has a seed inside itself so it can reproduce itself. And that was day number three. So what happened on day number one? Let there be... Day number two, there was a division between the waters in the heavens and the waters in the earth and their space, distance. Day number three, he said, I want to make dry land appear and I'll put plants on the earth and they'll reproduce after their kind. Day number four, 24 hours later, he made the sun, the moon, and the stars. Those are the things that provide for our planet several things. It provides warmth. It provides direction for us. So if you get lost, you can look up in the sky and say, oh, man, this, the sun sets in the west. And stability. Every sun, every morning the sun comes up. Every night it comes down. It's just you can, you can set your clock by it. <laughs> it's, it's the sundial. It's just going to do the same thing. It's, it gives stability. It gives warmth. And it gives direction. And it affects the tides and so forth and so forth. It just it kind of gives, gives function to the planet. Day number five, the Bible says that God made the fish that swim and the birds that fly. The two things that human beings cannot do. Now, I flew last Saturday, but it wasn't with these arms. <laughs> okay? No matter how much I try, I can't get this 202-many-pound body off the ground with just my arms. I can't do it. I can't jump out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and live there because I'm not a fish <laughs> and I'm not a bird. But on day number five, he gave the planet two things. He filled the earth with, uh, with the heavens with birds and he filled the sea with, with the sea creatures, the fish. And that was day number five. Day number six... He made the animal kingdom, and then day number seven, excuse me, day number six, at the end of 
animals, he made man and woman in his image. Adam and Eve were made on day number six, conclusion of the day. He gave Adam first, and he gave Adam three things. He said, now, Adam, I'm going to make you first, and here's what's going to happen. Number one, I'm going to give you responsibility, dress and keep a garden. I want to take care of everything I made here. Number two, I want to give you a rule. You can eat any tree in this garden, but there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Don't, don't eat that tree. That one you And then the third thing he gave him was a relationship. First with God, and then he would give him a relationship with Eve. And men, when we're train wrecks, it's usually because we're, we're not responsible, irresponsible. We don't keep the rules, and we don't work at relationships, all of which are responsibilities. But he gave Adam that. And then he said, Adam, he said, that now I'm going to make Eve. And he made Eve for Adam. He made Adam for a work, and he made Eve to help Adam in that work. And then day number seven, the Bible says that, that God rested. Not because he was tired, but he would give us an example that we need to give one day of rest and religion, especially a religious devotion to one, he said, let there be light. Day number two, let's separate the waters from the waters and we'll make a space or firmament. Day number three, dry land and we'll help the green things to grow and then we'll put a seed inside of every plant so it can reproduce after itself. Day number four, let's make the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night, we'll make the stars also. Day number five, let's make the fish that swim, the birds that fly, and day number six, we'll make the animal kingdom and then we'll make man in our image. Day number seven, we'll rest and enjoy God and His creation that He made. That's a beautiful story, and it makes a lot of sense to me, and I, I choose to believe that rather than evolution, because that's God's explanation. But you know, each of those days are important, because I think each of those days are similar to what God is doing in your life and my life. And the people in Chino, California, and the people in Chicago, Illinois, they all have something in common. They're all made by God. Every once in a while, someone will say, well, we're all God's children. That person doesn't understand the Bible because we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. To be God's child, you must be born into God's family. You must have a birthday. You must be put into God's family by being born again. But we are all created by God. But when we're created by God, day number one, we're created just like this world was. We're in the dark. We're empty. We're void. And we're without purpose. We don't really understand what life's going on. You know why people would shoot drugs into their arms? Because they don't understand their purpose. You know why someone would get plastered day after day? Because they don't understand their purpose. You know why someone would fool around with someone else's wife or husband? Because they don't understand their purpose. Do you know why people would, would pierce themselves and hurt themselves and cut themselves? Because they're missing something. They don't understand why God put them on the planet for. And that's how we all were until the light came on. And two things had to happen to get the light on. God's Spirit had to start working in our heart. And God's Word needed to be spoken in our ears. 
God does two things to bring the light to you human beings. Number one, he brings his spirit to bring conviction of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And then he brings his word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by, you better believe it. How is someone saved? They're saved when they hear the word of God and when God's spirit begins to bring conviction that they're sinners. Last week, I was, this week, I was talking to a man named Christian, and he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> and I began telling Christian about the Lord, and he said, I said, would you like for me to take the Bible? And she goes, I'd like that. And after I explained it to him, he goes, you know, I'm ready to do that. Talked to another lady last week. Her name is Tessa, and she that's not saved. And I got to go through the gospel with Tessa. And I, she said, I said, if Jesus will accept your sin, would you be willing to accept God's son? She got saved. You know what happened to Tessa's heart? What happened to Christian's life? Light came on. Someone flips the light switch and said, hey, someone told him the Bible. Spirit of God did his work. They accepted Jesus as their Savior. You know what day number one is? Day number one is a type of salvation. It's when the light comes on. It's when you get saved. You know, you may not remember the date on the calendar. You may not be, know the hour on the clock, but you should know where you were when you got saved. Well, you meet someone important, you usually know where you are. I remember the day I met Ronnie Lott. He played for San Francisco 49ers years ago. When I met him, I, I know where I was when I met him. When I met someone important, I met our, our vice president, Mike Pence, one day. And when I met him, he said, hey, you know him? Yeah, I've been to his office. Really? Yeah, I met him in his office. Or I met him in my office. He came to my office one time when he was the governor of, uh, of the state of Indiana. Well, if you meet someone important, you know, maybe, I don't remember what date it was. But I know where I was when it happened. Do you know where it was when you met Jesus? Do you know where it was when God took your sin and you took his son? Listen, if you don't remember where it was, it's probably because you weren't there. <laughs> and you need to get that settled. Don't say, well, I think it was. No, no, no. You need to know. Are you saved? If you're saved, when were you saved? Where were you at when you put your faith in Christ for salvation? I was talking to Justin, and I asked him that question. Tell me what God did to bring you to Christ. He goes, I was 12 years old. I had been told, I'd been heard the gospel, and I'd been told I'd been saved. And I was, but, you know, it didn't matter. At that time, I didn't know for sure I was saved, and God uh, brought salvation to my heart. I got saved, and he told me where he was. You know what happened to Justin that day? The light came on. That's when he got saved. Day number one is the day of salvation. Day number two is when God separated the waters from the waters. This is when, Brother Mrs. Beckham, man, you want to try to humiliate somebody or something? Come on in, have a seat. This is a great preacher here, and I'm glad you're here. Did you find a seat over there? Good. Good, good. So good to see all of you here. Thank you for making adjustments, guys. Day number two, God separates the waters from the waters. I think this is, a, this is an example of separation. This is separation. He creates distance between the way he lives and the way the world lives. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. He says, love not the world. Neither things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The Bible tells us that, that people see no difference between the holy and profane. There's no distinction. God wants Christian to be separated. He tells us in 2 Peter, he says, listen, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, 
You know, before you can learn the Word of God and the things of God like you ought to, you have to have some virtue. You have to have some separation. You have to decide, you know what? I am not going to live a worldly life. I want to separate. I love the doctrine of separation. Some people well, you've got to be in the world. I know you're supposed to live in the world, but you don't want the world in you. <laughs> God said, I, you, Jesus said in John chapter 17, I put my people in the world, Lord, and I want, Father, I want you to, to not, I, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want to keep the world out of them. It's like a, a Christian is like a ship on top of the Pacific Ocean. It does real good when it's on the ocean. It does real bad when the ocean's on the ship. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter is, a Christian it needs to be sailing on this world, not in this world. Day number one is a day of salvation. Day number two is a day of separation. Are you a separated Christian? If you're saved, the next thing God wants you to do is to make some distinctive things that are different. In Proverbs chapter 18, the Bible says, talk, talks about if any man wants to be wise or exercise wisdom, they must separate themselves and seek an intermeddle with all wisdom. You've got to make some separation. You can't keep the same old bad friends and still live a Christian life. You can't keep the same habits and still live a godly life. You can't listen to the old, wicked, ungodly music and still live a pure, holy life. You can't watch everything you used to watch on television, the movies, and still live a life that's glorifying. You can't. That's like a guy that's got a white shirt on, and a guy's come out, he's a grease monkey, been working at the, at the mechanic shop. He says, oh, you're a little bit dirty. Let me see if I can get you cleaned off. What happens if he rubs his, right, rubs his white shirt on his greasy shirt? What happens? Now, both of them are dirty. That's exactly what happened in the Christian life. Day number one is a day of salvation. Day number two is a day of separation. Day number three is a day of spiritual growth and soul winning. When somebody get saved, and they begin to separate unto God from the world, the thing that happens automatically, they begin to grow. Green things grow. They, you begin to grow as a Christian. I've seen it happen a thousand times. Someone gets saved. They start separating. They, instead of going to the bar, they go to church. Instead of hanging around with the wrong kind of friends, they're going with the right kind of friends. And all of a sudden, things begin to grow. They begin to grow in the Lord. They begin to love the Word of God and love the things of God and sing the songs of God. And then what happens, the seed that brought them eternal life, they want somebody else to get saved. It's like a domino effect. They start reproducing, taking gospel tracts and sharing them with their friends. Who gives out gospel tracts? People that have them. <laughs> if you don't have them, you won't be giving them out. Put them in your car, your purse, keep them in somewhere. Give them out. You know what happens when you have the gospel? You want other people. You know what the fruit of a Christian is? Another Christian. God uses you to bring somebody else to the Lord. Boy, I tell you what, that's a joy. I have the joy to preach to several people every week. Let me tell you something. Nothing quite lights my fire, encourages me, like looking across the auditorium and seeing my friend that got saved, got baptized, they're growing the Lord, and they're still growing the Lord. That is fun. That brings you joy when you see people. So day number one is a day of salvation. Day number two is a day of separating. Number three is a day of spiritual growth and soul winning, getting the gospel to others. Day number four is where God made the sun, the moon, the stars. This is a day of service. You know, after a while, 
of growing, being saved, separated, and growing, you want to do something. There is nothing in the Bible that says, well, well done, thou good and faithful spectator. <laughs> you are a good watcher. I tell you what, you just watch everybody do everything. No. He wants to say, well done, thou good and faithful Serving, you're saved to serve. God has a job for you. God has a job for us. After a while, boy, I get sometimes get so frustrated. You know, I want to go get fed. I just got to go get fed. I'm going to church so I can get fed. You know, what happens? That guy needs to take off his bib and put on his apron. <laughs> he needs, he's just thinking, I just want to eat more. I want good messages. Well, listen, Spanky, why don't you get there and do something every now and then? You know, your information fat and application skinny. You know what you ought to do, but you're just not doing it. But after a while, you need to do something. By the way, if you're not doing something for God, decide you're going to start now. Years ago, there was a man named Sam Jones. He was an evangelist. And he would come to a city, and he would preach on sin. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. By that time, people were like, i got to give it up. <laughs> i got to give it up. This guy is killing me. He just keeps preaching about my sin. And, boy, people, God began to work, and they would start giving up sin. And on Thursday night, he did a testimony time. And he, and he said, look, somebody tell me a testimony, a sin that God has dealt with you about. You're going to quit. And, boy, one person raised their hand. You know, I've been disobeying my mom and dad, and I'm going to quit. Boy, people, yay, good. Lady stood up, said, you know, I've been talking negative about my friends and criticizing everybody and even starting a little bit of rumors, and I'm going to quit. Yay, you know. One fellow said, I've been drinking a little bit. I know I'm not supposed to drink, and I've been drinking, but I'm going to quit. Everybody's, boy, different people were just talking about different things, and things are going to quit. And after lots of testimonies, one little old lady in the front said, I got something to say. I said, preacher, I ain't been doing nothing, but I'm going to quit. <laughs> And listen, if you're not doing nothing, quit, all right? And say, you know, I want to do something for the Lord. You ought to do that. You know, when people start serving God, three things happen. They bring stability to the work of God. Nothing weakens a church like a selfish, prideful individual who just watches the world go by rather than get involved and do something. You don't have to have a position. Find a purpose. See the need, take the lead, get involved and do something for the Lord. Because when you do that, you'll bring stability. You'll be more stable and you'll bring stability to the work of God. Number two, you'll bring warmth to the work of God. Just like the sun brings warmth to the planet, you'll bring warmth to a church. I think every Christian ought to be a welcoming committee of one. <laughs> I think when a visitor comes, you ought to be saying, you know what, I don't know that person. Let's go meet them. Hey, what is your name? Let them know that you love them and God loves them and encourage them. Hey, listen, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. When we come to church, we ought to serve and provide stability. We ought to provide uh, warmth. And we ought to provide direction. Just like the sun brings direction, the moon brings direction, the star, the north star is in the north. You ought to start bringing direction to other people. After a while, people ought to say, you know what, ask Brother so-and-so. They'll be able to give us the answer. Well, if you're not in church, you're not going to get the answer. If you're not going to be a leader and example, if people don't trust you, they won't trust what you tell them. Boy, our sermons whisper, but our life shouts. And everybody ought to live so everybody knows they're a Christian, especially people that live with them ought to know they're a Christian. 
live under their own roof and be a good testimony in your home and be a good testimony in your church. It's vital, it's important to bring warmth, to bring direction, and to bring stability. So day number one, let there be light is a day of? Day number two, let's divide the waters from the water is a day of? Separation. Day number three, when we start seeing growth take place and reproduction is a day of spiritual growth and? Soul winning. Day number four, when the sun, moon, and the stars, they provide stability, warmth, and they provide direction for us. It's a day of service. The birds that fly and the fish that swim, I thought about that. I wonder what that means. But, you know, those are things we cannot do unless we have help. You know, you can't fly unless you have an airplane or a helicopter. Someone can help you. You can't live underwater unless you have a submarine. Then you can live under the water a long, a long time. If you get help, you can do a lot of things that are outside your wheelhouse. And I think as Christians grow for salvation, separation, spiritual growth, soul winning, service, they get into deep waters, challenges that are very painful, very hard. Or they... They fly over they're, over, they're overseeing some things, and they need wings as eagles to fly over the difficulties of life. All of us have one thing in common. we got problems. i got problems. you got problems. Someone said if all of our problems were hung out on the line, at the end of the day, you'd choose your problems, I'd choose mine. But we all got them. Never forget the day that I got a call from the San Jose coroner's office. It was at 2.39 in the morning. My wife and I were awake, and the phone rang, and he said, you know, I'm, I work with the coroner's office. And is, your, is your name John Wilkerson? I said, yes. He said, are you the father of Tyler Wilkerson? I said, yes. I said, Mr. Wilkerson, Tyler was in an accident tonight. He was traveling with a family in our church, a precious family. And the man that was driving, he didn't get hurt. The car flipped over. Someone hit them, and they flipped the car, and the driver's okay, the man in the back's okay, but unfortunately, your 17-year-old son sustained fatal injuries. I'm sorry, Mr. Wilkerson, he's dead. Boy, I remember hearing that on the phone. Linda was going, he's gone, he's gone. Yes, our oldest son was gone. Never, never had such a pain ever in my life. Now, I know God knows what it's like to lose a son. <laughs> so he's already been there before I came. And many other people went through that. But boy, I thought I was going to die. But you know what God did? He gave me gills for the deep waters of life. He helped his beautiful mom. He let us have wings to fly over the troubles and really see not just our problem right in front of us. We got to see the, the big picture that God was working. God is doing a work. And when you have difficulties, you know what you need? You need the supernatural grace of God. I think day, day number five is God's supernatural help. It's when God helps you. When you hear you've got cancer. When you hear your mom just passed away, come to the emergency room. You need to come here, the ICU unit. When you hear those difficult things, you know what you need at those moments? You need the supernatural help of God. When someone says, I need you to preach for us on Wednesday. Oh! <laughs> I need you to teach the Sunday class. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, God can help you do anything he wants you to do. I can do all things through which strengtheneth me. Yeah, that's, that's supernatural help. 
And then day number six is when God makes us in his image. When we begin to think and handle things the way Jesus would do it. The way Jesus would do it. There are several New Testament scriptures. Romans chapter 8. That verse right after. And we know that all things work together for to them who are who love God, to them who are the called according to But the Bible, the next verse says, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become conformed to the image of who? His son, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that till we all come into the fullness of the stature of Christ. You know what God wants for your life this life? He wants you to be like Jesus. Pastor embarrassed me and alluded to that just a moment ago. But the truth of the matter is, when the world looks at me and you, they should see Jesus. Now, they can't see him because you may be a lady and Jesus was a man. <laughs> it's, not, it's not his bodily form. It's his way. It's his love. It's his joy. It's his peace. It's his gentleness, his long-suffering, his goodness. It's the way that he would do things, how he would handle problems, how he would handle rejection, how he would handle hurt. What did Jesus do? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How we forgive, how we love, his faithfulness, his love for the hurting, his sacrifice. At a time where all the the disciples said, send the multitudes away. That was my favorite verse as a school teacher. Send the multitudes away. Let them go home. Tomorrow's the last day of school around here, and the teachers are going, send the multitudes away. Let them go home. They will give me a summer. You know, the, the disciples said, send them away. Jesus said, feed them. They said, we've been out here all day. It's been miserable. I'm tired. Could you imagine? He told them, we're going to sit down and we're going to feed everybody. I'm sure Thomas says, I can't believe this. <laughs> Peter probably said a bad word. <laughs> it was not good. John and James said, I'm getting the front rows. I'm not going to walk anymore than I have to. They all had their own opinions about things. But Jesus said, no, it's not about us. It's about them. It's about sacrifice. And it's about doing things the way God wants us to do it. God so loved the world that he, you want to be, be a good Christian? You want to be a giving Christian. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't take. He gave. God's plan for us begins with salvation, separation, spiritual growth, soul winning, loving and caring for other people to come to Christ. By the way, if you're not winning people to Christ, here's my suggestion. Start praying for the lost. Pray that God would give you someone today to witness to. Somebody. You keep praying that prayer, God's going to bring someone to you that you'll be able to show them how to be saved. Provide service, supernatural help, stature, the fullness of Christ. And then day number seven is a Sabbath rest, a day in which God will enjoy his creation, you, me, for all eternity. I don't know where you are tonight. I would like to ask you, what day would you be on? Some of you, you've never had the light turned on. You're not sure. A hundred years from now, all that's going to matter for all of us is where we live. In heaven with God or in hell without him is what's going to matter. There might be a nursery kid that maybe might, be, might live past 100, but everybody in here, you're going to have a funeral. 
you're going to leave that body. And all it's going to matter is where you live, in heaven with God and hell without him. Here's two ways we leave this world, with our sin or with God's son. All of us have something in common. We're all stinkers. We all do things. We say things and we think things that are wrong every day. So you know what we need? We need God's son. If you, go, if you die without Jesus, without being saved, without being born again, you're going to go into eternity with a fair trial with a God who knows everything about you. And you'll pay for your sin in the lake of fire. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, the wages of sin is, but there's a gift available. And the gift is a free pardon through Jesus Christ our Lord. You either die with your sin or with God's son. If you die with your sin, you're going to get a fair trial. You die with God's son, you get a free pardon. Cleansing from all unrighteousness. Are you saved? Have you had day number one? Are you separated? Are you growing? Are you winning others to Christ or effort? You're praying and trying to get someone else to Jesus? Are you serving? Are you experiencing God's grace in your life, his help? Are you like Jesus? If you're not, get in line. Go through the days of creation. Say, God, help me to keep on growing. So I can be used by you. So that you can enjoy eternity. And that Sabbath rest. You know, one day you're going to be glad you did or you'll wish you would have. You'll be saying, boy, am I glad I served Christ. Or, man, what an idiot. Why didn't, why didn't I keep growing? God has a purpose in our life. Don't stop. Keep on growing. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening.